Welcome back to the Untriggered Parenting Podcast with me, Paula Sampson-Lawrence. Today, my very special guest is Michelle Steiner. Michelle is a paraeducator and a disability writer. On this episode, she speaks with me about what it's like to live with an invisible disability and how she advocates for the students in her care. Let's dive in. So Michelle, welcome to the show. Please do introduce yourself and let us know a little bit more about yourself. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Paula. Uh, My name is Michelle Steiner. I live in Pennsylvania with my husband, Ron, and our two cats, Jack and Sparrow. And I work... (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) thank you. (laughs) And I work as a paraeducator in a school with students that have disabilities and some who don't. And I'm also a disability writer, uh, speaker, and photographer. And... I have a learning disability myself. And is that what kind of spurs you into going into what you do now because of your own disability? Yes, definitely. It has been wonderful to be able to go there and be able to help other people that have disabilities. And it's so rewarding to be able to give back. Uh, if I'm in the classroom, I, a yeah. lot of times it's like, oh, I somebody helped me with that when I was that age. Yeah. And yeah. And sometimes with the writing, a lot of times people will say, oh, that's my story, too. Or Mm -hmm. I struggle with that. So I I just think it's so rewarding to be able to give back. And are you sort of happy to share what your disability is and how you um, manage that on your day to day personal and professional life? Sure. I have a dyscalculia, which is a math learning disability. Uh And I also have limited hand dexterity in both of my hands. And I have visual perception issues. Uh, The dyscalculia is difficulty with numbers. Mm. And I just don't get how numbers work. Mm. And it's also really hard for me to do things like read the face of a clock, understand directional concepts, and I'll mess up my left or my right. So that can be really difficult. I also, with my limited hand dexterity, they didn't find out until I was an adult. Oh, wow. And yeah. So things such as opening up locks and doors, oh. and sometimes things will just fall into my hands. And when I was younger, I never had really good handwriting and everybody just thought, okay, it's a learning disability. Mm. And it's it's kind of interesting. Yes, it's definitely still part of a learning disability, but it's also with hand dexterity as well can be really tough for me. And I also have visual perception issues, but those issues are in my brain, not in my eyes. So I Mm. have typical vision and I cannot drive and it can be really hard with my reaction time and just uh, eye hand coordination is difficult for me as well. Oh, so with the students that you uh, work with, what age group does that sort of cover? I am with middle school students this year. We have sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And this year I am working with sixth graders. Ah, and how do you support them on a day-to-day through their school life? I get the chance to go in their class with them Mm. and I can help them if they're struggling to understand what the teacher is speaking. I get that chance to retest to them. I have that chance to encourage them to advocate and to be able to speak up for themselves. And I just think those skills are so important for them. Now they all know, do not ask me for help with math. And I'm not (laughs) sure to tell them I cannot help you with that. Yeah. 
So what are the things that you do to help them speak up for themselves? What do you think um, holds them back? Is it more of the case of not even knowing what they need or being actually afraid to speak up and ask for what they need? A lot of times they're afraid to speak up and ask for what they need. Mm -hmm. They don't want to uh, draw attention to themselves Mm -hmm. or they don't want to appear like they're the one that doesn't know the information. Yeah. And just sometimes they're afraid of their reactions. And I think it's really important, though, uh, that they know to speak up and use their voice if they if they need help with something. And I've I've had students who've been afraid to do that. And I'll show them, okay, well, I'll go with you. Let's go ask. And I go through those steps with them. And generally, they're not afraid to ask for help after that point. Oh, well, that's excellent. And do you work, is it in a group setting? Or is it just like one to one sort of students in the classroom? I mainly work in a group setting. I do have uh, a one to one at the end at the very end of the day for somebody. And I did one on work in the past as well. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit, because it might be different here in the UK, but in the US, what is the school system like in terms of support for students with disabilities? Our students that uh, have disabilities receive uh, an individual education plan where we Mm -hmm. have supports in place that has their diagnosis after they've been tested and things that they are accommodations they're going to need. And it it looks different for every student. I know Mm -hmm. when I was in school, I had specialty instruction. I had extended test time. I also had the test read aloud to me. Uh, Another thing that helped was putting me in the front whenever Mm -hmm. for lectures. And those were things that were uh, prescribed in the IEP. And we also have a Section 504 plan that if some if we have a student that doesn't have a disability but still needs to have a plan mm-hmm. that they're able to get those services as well but they don't have goals that they're trying to do they have a plan that's in place for that yeah. and what are the some of the accommodations uh that you have found most effective for the students that you work with that the school has really put into place and made such a difference I think sometimes a lot of it's having the test read aloud because sometimes mm-hmm. our students need that extra time to process information or hearing the, the voice and having extended test time. I think that those just really help a student that needs that just that little extra reinforcement. I think that's one of the things that we can do. And I also like that in our school system, we try to work as a team. If something's not working, we uh, go and do the next thing. And I think that's really important when you have students that have disabilities. When one thing doesn't work, we have to try Mm -hmm. to figure out something else that's going to help them. Yeah. And how is the, um, So I guess there's a good link or you try to maintain a good link between the school and the student and the parents. Does that Mm -hmm. all work quite effectively in terms of your role? Or do you feel like there's some parts that need a little bit more sort of maybe better communication or managing Right. I know in my role right now, I don't get a whole lot of communication with parents, but mm. anytime that I do come in contact, I it's it's been a positive experience. I do get a the, the staff does know that I have a disability, and that's generally a positive experience with that, uh, with being accommodated and just them knowing that. Yeah. And I think with the students, I think that's definitely um I really enjoy working with my group this year, especially. 
Oh, that's excellent. And how are the, is the school with you? Do they accommodate you and the things that you need as well? Generally, we're pretty good about knowing yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, we know not to, or at least the administration knows that I can't do the math. Yeah. And even if they had to put me in a science class or something with that, uh, the principal knows, okay, you can help keep them on task, but mm. <laughs> we understand mm. that not everybody comes in yeah. with the, the same skill set. And some people are good at that and other people uh, struggle. And some people uh, also will struggle when they're in the English and the reading classes. Yeah. And I think just sometimes we have to know that our staff, what really works uh, is if everybody can work as a team. And that yeah. was a really nice thing that if someone's not good at math, then, okay, you help out with the English and then the person that mm-hmm. can't really do that, then they're the ones that, that, that can reinforce with doing other things with math and science. Yeah. And do you think there is any sort of particular maybe age group or boys or girls that um, are more receptive to speaking up for themselves and really, you know, being their own advocate or leaning into your supports for them to advocate for themselves? It really depends on the child. child. Uh, a lot of times <laughs> if they came from a family where the parents explain uh, the mm. disability and they have a loving, stable family, a lot of times that they're more uh, adapt to speak up for themselves in a positive yeah. way and they know they have that support. Uh, and it's also, but I've also seen some families where there might have been some family dynamics that have been shifted where maybe the, a lot all their needs got met immediately. So they were the yeah. ones that could speak up a lot easier too for what yeah. they would need as well. And is there a sort of success story or personal thing that's happened that you always kind of remember and go, that that really worked out really well or that felt really good to help that, you know, that um, student? Is there something like that you could maybe tell us about? Definitely. I can remember that... I had a student that I was helping her with her backpack at the beginning of the year. We were trying to organize things and she just couldn't get it. She was the sweetest girl, but she just mm. couldn't get that. And we went through, okay, this is your science folder. This is your social studies folder. This is English. And we were marking them. And every week we would we'd go through the backpack and by the end of the school year, she goes, how do you spell extra? Because she wanted to have a folder for her extra papers and she knew how to organize her backpack. So I oh, think that wow. was one of my favorite stories where I got to see <laughs> that. <laughs> I love that. That's such a lovely story. And um, is there any challenges for you navigating um, your own disabilities with your pers- um, professional life? Or do you sort of manage it pretty, pretty okay now? manage it. It can still get a little dicey at times. I can remember there was a class where I was trying to help a student and I couldn't do it. And I thought to myself, why am I here? And then all of a sudden someone said, this person, this child's crying. And I went over to that that person and I had that chance to have that really uh, poignant moment with them and say, I know what it's like that Mm. I have a disability and it can be really hard with math and we're going to get you the, the support that you need. Uh, that has that was a really um, beautiful moment with that. And I've also had funny stories, too. I can remember I was trying to help out in a first grade math class and I couldn't get it. And I had a little girl that said, 
oh, why can't you do this? And I said, oh, I'm just not that good with math. And she looked at me and goes, there's grown-up school for that. <laughs> oh, bless her. And you're like, and thank you very like, much. Yeah. And I think what sometimes that does is that is humbling. And I think it gives those students that struggle a chance to realize that adults struggle with things too. We don't have all the answers and yeah. uh, there's things just sometimes we can't do and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what your disability would be called an invisible disability, yes. right? So it's not anything that you can see just by looking at you. And I can imagine I, that must be so hard to navigate because <laughs> you're struggling maybe with something, but people can't see it. And so is there a need to explain or do you, how does that work because I can imagine that might be really frustrating because people don't see it don't understand it and therefore because they can't see it they don't believe it maybe right I've had people that when I tell them I have a disability they mm. look at me and say well you don't look like you're disabled mm. and I have to go and try to explain to them not everybody can see a disability yeah. and sometimes they're just like in shock. They're thinking, oh, well, where's the cane at? Where's the, the, the walker or any other kind of device? Yeah. And I don't have that. And that's okay. Not everyone mm -hmm. has to be able to understand. And then people who do know me will say, well, you must be cured because you have a bachelor's degree or you have maintained um. employment. And it's just trying to, exp sometimes that puts a lot of pressure on me that uh, I should be cured or overcome and I've had success mm -hmm. but that's still that means I found a way to be able to achieve that but it doesn't mean that the disability went away it just means I've, I was able to find a way to be successful with it yeah absolutely so going back to the sort of um, the school system the education mm -hmm. system are there any ways you think that it can be improved in terms of their support for you know, students with disabilities and even and also teachers and educators like yourself? First thing that really should happen is I think they need to have specific learning support classes for students who really do need them because a lot of times we'll have a student that might have a, a disability in math or in reading and they put them in a basic reading or a basic math class after a while. And a lot of them, they can't read or mm -hmm. they can't do math. And sometimes you'll see the behavior problems come out. I've gotten pretty good at identifying the ones who can't read. Sometimes we will have a kid that'll be really bad and we'll go mm -hmm. up to them. And it turns out that kid's not trying to make you have a hard day. He just doesn't know how to read. And mm -hmm. he's trying to be the class clown rather than admitting it. And I can remember some of them, I would just say, oh, do you want me to read that for you? And mm -hmm. we got our work done. And yeah. I, I can only imagine how hard that would be for me. I never got out of learning support math. Well, we did once and the basic teacher didn't know what to do with me in math <laughs> class. So I, I think that being included in regular ed classes when appropriate is really important for a student. Yeah. But I think that there's just certain areas that I think that it, it would be better if that was dealt with in a smaller group setting on mm -hmm. their own level. And I also think people need more disability representation in schools because a lot of times uh, other kids don't know of adults that have had learning disabilities that have gone mm. to college or have jobs or gone to trade school. A lot of them, 
don't have that influence and they don't view themselves as smart or or the they don't think that they have that chance to be successful yeah. in whatever it is in life. So I think it's really important that they also have some uh, representation. Yeah, that, I agree with you. That's really important. And do your students at all, do they get a say, for example? You know, you mentioned about uh, certain mm-hmm. classes that they should be able to be, they should be put in. Right. Do they get a say to say what could help them? And do they even know sometimes? Are they able to have that language to say, this is what I need? our students don't have that at that age we do try to include them as they get older especially when they want to leave school we give them a say on what they want to do and I think that's so important because I can remember I knew I wanted to go to college but I had a learning support teacher who didn't think I could do college and I and I could and I was really lucky that I had parents that advocated for me and believed in me and didn't sugarcoat it that it was going to always be easy, but mm-hmm. they, they really did a lot with, with that. And I just think that, uh, that that's really important that we give our students a voice in being uh, saying what they feel or just saying what they want in their education and ultimately what yeah. they're going to do with the rest yeah. of their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. I want to just um, focus back on you a little bit again <laughs> and, um, because I'm all about self-care um, and ways to make ourselves feel refreshed and renewed and kind uh-huh. of focus on ourselves, especially when you work with students. And so what do you do to kind of care for yourself and um, nourish your soul, I suppose? I definitely love to work out. That's one of my mm-hmm. biggest things. You always, I love to go to the gym yeah. and do that. And sometimes I have a clearer head after I do a workout I also love and to you, read. you love going. Oh, I wish I, I like loved to go. Going. Yeah. <laughs> I have I mean, to drag myself like... kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I also have my audio books. And that's how I also yeah. get to combine my love of reading when I'm on uh, the elliptical or the treadmill. That's another way that I love to do that. Because I love to read and yeah. I like to write. And I like to take pictures and being that I'm not able to drive, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be in the car with my husband and I'll say, did you see that? And I'll say, no, I'm focused yep. on the road. And <laughs> I oftentimes get a chance to go back and take a picture of a flower. And yeah. that's just, and people say that brings out details that they would have missed. So that just, that always yeah. makes me, yeah, it's another way of something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. And what are the, some of the things you mentioned driving? Um, what other things do you have to sort of step, step back from because of the challenges that you experience? Uh, anything math related. That's yeah. been a big factor. Uh, that, just figuring out what I want to do for school and also like with career choices. Yeah. I'm also unable to tell the uh, time on the face of an analog clock. So I have a mm-hmm. Fitbit and or also another digital uh, watch or clock is also helpful. It can also really be hard for me to open up cans. I cannot mm-hmm. use a manual can opener. So I have an electric one. Electric quad. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if I'm at the store, it's hard for me to total how much I'm spending. And it's always a surprise to me when I get to the register. Like I'm sure <laughs> it is for everybody, but for me, it's like, Oh, really? And I'll sometimes I'll use uh, cash if we're out and I want to just 
because I can picture that it's such a uh, concrete example. I can picture yeah. the dollars and the, the quarters, yeah. but if you give me a credit card or a debit card, it's more of an abstract concept. Um, leaving a tip can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, remembering phone numbers. I mean, uh, thankfully now we have cell phones where everything yeah. is, is, <laughs> is there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's quite a few things. And do you feel like it's all sort of second nature now or do you sort of have to go, oh, can't do that kind of, or is it just sort of you know just part of life now isn't it oh it's a part of life I was yeah. diagnosed when I was in kindergarten so having mm-hmm. a learning disability is just a part of my life and it's just something that I have to spend the rest of my life just figuring out what works and just fi- finding uh, solutions and ways around things yeah so I would love to know what you would say to or um, give advice to maybe somebody else who's living with an invisible disability and maybe wants to support other young people or go into it professionally, what sort of advice would you um, give them for that? What I would tell people is to definitely advocate for themselves when they have uh, a hidden disability. I mean, I know that there's a stigma that surrounds disability accommodations. I experienced that on Mm -hmm. campus myself, but Whenever I use the the accommodations that are offered for me, that's when I, I'm very successful and I do well. And mm-hmm. I would just recommend that they would uh, just keep on asking for support, accommodations, and to look for programs that are out there that, that can help them. And also not to be afraid to share uh, their story. I can remember mm-hmm. writing has always been a really big thing for me mm-hmm. with a um with healing. And I can remember I had a friend that told me you should really write about having a learning disability. Mm. And I thought that was too personal when I waited so many years. But when I finally did it, that was just one of the most healing things that I've ever done. Yeah. And I had the chance to reach out to other people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you just mentioned that, um, did you say that you were diagnosed in kindergarten? kindergarten. Yes. So what really helped you as a very young child um, to sort of get through that time was it parents was it somebody else who advocated for you what was really helpful for you at that age well definitely my parents they Mm -hmm. supported me all throughout my years of school and explained to me that I had a learning disability and I I learned differently I also had just writing was helpful too that was one of the first things we found out I was really good at my dad found a story that I wrote about a dinosaur and he said oh, this is really good. And that just encouraged me to want to write more. And then it was also finding friends when I was a teenager that were outside of my school district Mm -hmm. because I was different from my other, from my peers and was bullied from a young age and it got worse Mm. as a teenager. But it was finally having uh, other acceptance and shedding that reputation of being the outcast when I got older, just with different people and I that that helped and people that shared the same interest yeah yeah that sounds like would have been really helpful and uh last question just to finish up okay what would you sort of say um just a general message about supporting people who have invisible disabilities especially our young people who are you know so vulnerable and already dealing with so much at that age (laughs) and this is like an additional thing for them um so what would you say to those supporting them just tell them to definitely listen to people because a lot of times when you uh, have an invisible disability, people yeah. sometimes just don't always take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think it's listening to them and their struggle and finding ways to support them. Perfect. 
Well, Michelle, um, can you tell us a little bit more about how we can, you know, connect with you online or find your work online as well? Sure. You can find me at my blog, michellesmission.net. I blog about life with a learning disability and have disability uh, related articles. Mm -hmm. I also have my photography and a small store where you can purchase my artwork. And I have a disability forum as well. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram too. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. You, um, I just love what you do because I work with young people and I, all, you know, I always say young people have it tough already. So it's great that you're there supporting them with everything that they're going through. So thank you so much for coming on and telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, Paula. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.